must be a better way. There must be a better way to describe things, to arrange words in a new way, to use words to take you to a place beyond words. There must be. What's going on, guys? I'm Forrest Hall. And this is Real Church Matters Podcast, where we talk real church matters because real church matters. Even when my matter is no longer matter. Even when all the matters that I think matter no longer matter. Real church will always matter. Real church matters more than church does. Real church matters has nothing to do with a real church. It has everything to do with real people. Hi guys. Just me today. This will be uh, part of the By Myself series. And I hope you enjoy it. Housekeeping, realchurchmatters.com is the website. You can go there and hear all 184 episodes. We're getting close to 200. I don't know if I have anything special planned. Well, I can tell you I have nothing special planned. It'll probably be another episode where I talk about Real Church Matters. And uh, I hope you like it just like I like this one. Um, with that being said, obedience over audience. Always, every time, shout out to everybody that listen. I appreciate you. Those that know me, those that do not. Those that know the same God as me. And those who would like to know him better. Obedience over audience. Since we have an audience, let's get to it. Enjoy part two of the By Myself series. Working out on my own. Hey guys. So yes, this is a. by myself series and this is part two called working out on my own and I wanted to dedicate this series to each and every person who is trying very hard to work out your own soul salvation in fear and trembling so that's the scripture for today Philippians Chapter two, verse 12 says, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And uh, just thinking about talking about this and the first thing that popped to my head was a conversation I had with someone. And uh, they had consistently been walking with me. 
And in the process of us going out every day to this pond and walking around and literally getting to the point where kind of getting at a good pace, I'm clocking in around like 15 to 20 minute miles, doing three miles every walk. And uh, we sat down after a walk and they said, you're going to have to come out here by yourself sometimes. I didn't want to hear that. I was annoyed by it. I, I, I felt like we were getting somewhere. Um, working with them was helping me. It was the uh, encouragement I needed. It was the motivation I needed. It was the accountability I needed. And it was the uh, dependency that I needed. And I didn't want to hear that. And so I didn't take it well. It's frustrated because, of course, you, when you don't hear something that you want to hear, you tend to just deflect it back in um, very uh, limiting and very uh, surface ways. But as time went on, I realized what they were saying. I realized the importance of what they were saying. They were trying to help me understand a reality that is hard for a lot of us to come to, which is you are on your own, which is the whole reason I'm doing this by yourself series, by myself series. You are on your own and there is much in life that you're going to have to do on your own with little fanfare, with little support, with little help. You're going to have to do it on your own. And one of those things being working out your own salvation. I use uh, the fact that I was working out physically, but there is some work that has to be done in us. And it can't be done by anybody else. There's some heavy lifting that has to be done and it only be done by you. So I wanted to talk about not just the importance of us doing it, but how in the world do we do it? So let's jump into it. We have Proverbs chapter 10, verse 16 says, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked to sin. And so the first thing we have to understand is when he's telling us to work out our own salvation or our soul salvation, he's telling us to tend to our lives. But how is that? What is that? So he said, the labor of the righteous, the person who is upright, the person who is uh, aligning their life with God, who is seeking to align their will with God, is tending to their heart. Tending to life. Tending to the matters of your heart and tending to life. To the things of God. Same way I was getting out there and I was walking. That <clears throat> that stretch of space was perfect for me to walk. And the act of walking was helping me tend to my body. And so when we say tend to life, we're saying tend to the matters of God. And it says, so he that 
the, the fruit of the wicked to sin. So when you're tending to the things and the desires that associate with wickedness, the fruit of that is sin. When you're tending to the things of God, a.k.a. righteousness, you are tending to life. You are seeing that produce in your life. We have to work out our own salvation, which means my efforts need to be towards doing the word of God. Let's go further. Proverbs eleven nineteen says, as righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. <clears throat> I love that we say workout is synonymous with the word tend or tending to. And I love that this next scripture helps us to understand that working out means tending to and tending to means your pursuit. So working out means tending to and tending to means your pursuit. What am I tending to? Easy. What am I pursuing? When I went out on that, uh, that stretch of land and started walking, I wasn't walking to anything in particular, but I was walking to something in particular. I was walking in a circle, but I was walking towards something. I was walking to something. I was walking in a circle, but I was pursuing something. I was pursuing health, weight loss. Right? Everything that we do is pursuing something. Even when you're sitting down, you're pursuing something. Every action, every moment, every second of our lives, we are pursuing something. He's letting you know you have to to tend to what you are pursuing. You have to address what you're pursuing. You have to direct what you're pursuing. It is your job on your own. So by yourself, you need to ask yourself, what am I pursuing? What is a pursuit? What, what do I desire? I desire to lose weight. I desire to be healthy. So I started walking. You're doing things. You might do things and not even understand what you're pursuing. Stop what you're doing and ask yourself, what are you trying to gain from it? <clears throat> Stop talking. Ask yourself, why are you talking? Stop doing. Ask yourself, why are you doing it? What ultimately is the pursuit? What is the desire? What are you trying to get? And I love, he says, he that pursueth evil, pursueth it to his own death. A lot of us are not understanding that what we're pursuing is death because we're not actually directly moving towards it. But we are at the same time. Work out your soul salvation in fear and trembling because it is grave. It is serious. 
Because what you pursue leads you to life or death. What you pursue leads others to life or death. Let's go further. Proverbs 14.23 says, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury or extreme poverty. And what I loved about this scripture is he's saying, In all labor there is profit. So everything we do yields something. And so for everybody out there, it's like, I'm not doing anything. Every action and everything that you do profits something. It's not a question of if it does, it's what does it profit? You have to challenge yourself with that. You need to ask yourself serious questions as it relates to what you're doing. What you're not doing. Talking to somebody today and in talking to them, I realize that while I can't control what people do, I do have a role in trying to help them understand what they're actually doing and what they're doing. Because what they're doing doesn't matter. But what they're pursuing, what they're truly going to yield, the fruit of their actions needs to be something they're aware of. Too much is placed on what is right and wrong and not enough is placed on what yields life and what yields death. Proverbs 19.23 says the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. Now, remember, I told you, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. We said that working out our salvation is tending to life, to the matters of God. And then we said in tending to the matters of God, we are learning that tending to it means pursuing it, having an intentional agenda towards it and doing things that direct me towards it. Even if it doesn't look that way to others, even if it looks like I'm moving in circles, even if it looks like it's for repetitious or mundane or benign. Every action needs to be towards life so that it might yield life. And what are one of the actions he says in Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. I've been talking to people and seeing them just surrounded by evil, just cankering their very life, just immersed in it, just overwhelmed by it. It begat so much hopelessness. It begat so much pain and so much anguish that my heart goes out to them. But the reality is, is that what has befallen them has uh, is because of what they have pursued. It's what they've tended to. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. He says, remember, we said, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. What are we fearing? What are we trembling at? We are trembling at God. We have a respect for him. We have a graveness towards him. We have a seriousness towards him. I, I told you before that in the Old Testament, they 
reference to God as terrible. There's a negative connotation. But what they're saying is he is something to be in awe of, to be revered, to be seriously taken into account. And so when we say fear of the Lord, we're saying the acknowledgement of God, the awareness of God, the reverence of God, the the pause and the stop and look and see and understand and take into account uh, God. That is the fear of the Lord. For him to be the elephant in the room, to be this large presence in your heart and your mind, everything you do filters through his reality and the reality that he exists and everything you think is in light of what he said and you can't get him out your head and he injects himself in every action and every reaction and every a thought and every thing that you devise, everything that you inquire when you Envelop yourself into that reality. That is the fear of the Lord. He says that is tending to life. No one can help you or no one can do this for you. We can remind you of who God is. We can tell you of his word, but we cannot create a fear of him. That's on you. That's your work. When you see that you don't regard God, nobody knows that but you. You got to work on your reverence. Work on your fear. People talk about, you know, they fear no man, but I need you to fear God. They regard no man. I need you to regard God. They feel no awe or no Godly fear for God. He says to do this is tending to life. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we do outwardly. We don't understand the work that must be done inwardly in our hearts. Firstly, to just understand where God should be in our hearts. This fear of the Lord lets you know that He deserves a certain and demands a certain place in your heart, not in your actions, in your heart, in your heart first, which will beget proper action. People try to incorporate God in the things they do instead of incorporating him into the way they think. One second, please. Real church matters. They try to incorporate him in the things they do. And not into the way they think. I want to be satisfied. I don't want to be visited by evil. I don't want it to encompass me. I don't want it to surround me. I don't want it to overwhelm me or bombard me. So I fear the Lord. Telling you, I I spend a lot of time just trying to be better about regarding him in all things and the way that I react, the way I respond, the things I say, the things I don't say. Sometimes it's what I don't say that glorifies God. Sometimes it's the things I say that glorifies him. Sometimes it's a little of both. Sometimes it's what I do. Sometimes it's what I don't do. 
We have to know. And that starts with fearing him. When you're concerned about what he thinks, that precedes you pursuing to know what he thinks. Only time somebody asks you about your day is when they want to know about your day. One thing did I desire, that which I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. These realities help us to understand it. That's the way we should be set up. We should be set up to regard him in such a way that we want to be around him, to have him reside in us, to know more about him. All of that starts with just the little seed of fear, of reverence. Amazing how many people say they have faith in God, but do not revere him or regard him in the things that they do. Let's look a little further. James 1, 15 says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. And the reason why we need to work out our salvation, tend to life. Understand that every labor has a profit that we need to fear the Lord. Is because whatever we do, conceive something. It gives birth to something. And when it is full grown, it becomes something that affects us. You look at these these murderers and serial killers, they were at one point a child. Something that couldn't harm you has had time to grow and now is a danger to you. Sometimes people joke and say, well, we should go back in time. If we could go back in time, I would kill Hitler. As a baby, I would go all the way back to when he was a baby and kill him. Why? Because we we know everything was conceived. There are things in your life that are still in the gestational period. You think they're benign. You think nothing of them. You think they don't matter. You think it's not no big deal until it is. One of the things that I used to share um, in Bible study when I, I taught is everybody loves a breeze. Nobody loves a hurricane. But literally, the only thing that changes the intensity And people love everything at a certain intensity. People love everything to a certain degree. It's cute to play fight. Until somebody get hurt. It's cute to lie. It's cute to do all these things until someone or something affects you in a way. And takes over. Tend to your life so that the situations that are small right now that are still manageable don't grow to be unmanageable. So that the things that are still small and can be rectified don't turn into death. Some of you walking around with desire. 
you still have time. Your desire has not yet become sin. Some of you walking around in sin. You still have time because when sin becomes full grown, it becomes death. The thing you enjoy becomes the thing that creates the most sorrow in your life. The thing you enjoy becomes the thing that causes the most pain and anguish in your life. I've seen it too much. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in others' lives. We need to teach the young people. If there are any young people listening to this, please understand the thing that feels like a breeze right now won't when it turns into a hurricane. And there's nothing more devastating. What used to just cool you down can tear you to pieces. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 says, either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. I want you to take emphasis to the word make. See, you don't even realize that you can make a tree good. You have to tend to it. The tree that's not tended to is made bad. The tree that is is made good. You have to tend to your heart. The heart work. Tend to the matters of your heart. Anything that does not glorify and walk under the reverence of God needs to be pruned away. It needs to be trimmed away. That's not anybody's job. That's yours. Don't get offended by it when they tell you it's your job. When I'm telling you it's your job, don't get hurt by it. I know you thought you needed a prayer partner. I know you thought you needed a devotional buddy. I know I thought you thought that you needed someone to walk this journey out with you. It ain't your spouse job. It's not your best friend job. It's not your accountability partner's job. They can only give an account for the things that you will give an account for. But their job is just to encourage you. Your job is to execute. Encouragement means absolutely nothing if you're not taking what they're encouraging you to do and doing it. At the end of the day, it's all on you. Make the tree good. Make it good. Don't think it's just going to turn good. Your life ain't just going to turn good. You're going to make it good. You sitting around for hours and years in churches thinking that somebody's going to make you good. Thinking the teaching is going to help you arrive to a place. No, you, you, your job. Not the church's job. Your job. Make the tree good. Trim what needs to be trimmed. Water when it needs to be watered. Give it sun when it needs sun. Give it shade when it needs shade. Make it good. Why? Since Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. I have to tend to my heart because everything good and everything bad can be source to it.
Everything circles back to this heart of mine. Everything circles back to it. I have to take a moment. I have to weigh my heart. I have to inspect it. I have to look into it. I have to check its pursuits, its intentions, its desires, its wants, its needs, its rationale. I have to check these things, align it to who God is in fear and reverence so that I might tend to the matters of life so that I might labor and produce a fruit that does not yield death. John 15 and four, as we close out a lot of scriptures this week. Good for you though. John 15 and four says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Lastly, the last thing I want to tell you is that in order for you to work out your salvation, Part of the work is to fear the Lord. Another part of work is to tend to the things that need to be cut away and the things that need to be added to your heart. And the last thing, but not the last thing you must do, but just the last thing I'm going to talk about. Is that you be intentional about remaining in God. Just to stay in place takes effort. Seems like it takes more effort to stand still than it does to walk. Just to stand absolutely still. Imagine that for a second. Just even maybe even pause this or maybe even as I'm talking right now, just stand up. Stand still. Look at where your muscles want to naturally sway to, want to give way to. Watch over time, just the the mere thought of being still takes so much effort and energy. And think of this as you staying in God's word, remaining in his way, in his will. Think of how hard that is over time to be consistent in that way. It takes such intentional effort that you have something to do every single day. You have something to do every single day. It is your job. Sometimes just to be still. Just to remain in God. Why? John 15 and 4 says, Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm closing this out by saying, though you have to do it by yourself, you don't have to do it by yourself. You cannot depend on others, but you can depend on God. You cannot expect people to remain with you, but you can remain in God. No. My dear friend couldn't walk with me every day, but God can. So I have to shift my dependence. I don't have to declare independence. I just need to shift my dependence. So that it's not on man, but it's on God. That's why that person was right, because the minute I depend on God and I remain in him, I don't need to fight to get people to remain with me. 
Not at all. People pass in and out of my life and some of them are a blessing and they encourage me. But they don't owe me their time. I'm grateful for the time that I'm given. Thankful for the encouragement I am given. My only mission is to remain in God. To challenge myself to be totally dependent. To be dependent on God. Why? Because I can't do this by myself. I can't bear no fruit by myself. It's the ironic thing about the by myself series. You're going to notice it a lot. Every time I'm telling you that you got to do it by yourself, I'm just telling you, you got to do it by yourself in God. People mean you well. And our desires totally mean well. And our intention to, to work with people and have them help us. But the reality is, is that I just need God. And I have to fight to remain in him. To not be tricked and bamboozled into thinking that I'm all by myself. To not be fooled into thinking that I need an army or a community of people to help me remain in him. But I just need him. Work out your soul salvation. Tend to life. Pursue it. Because every labor has a profit. I want your profit to be life and not death. Fear the Lord. In everything that you do, because whatever you do, when it's conceived, it gives birth to something. And when that thing becomes full grown, it yields something to you that might be life or death. Make the tree good. Tend to it. Take care of it. Tree being your heart. Because out of your heart flows either good or evil. But you can always source everything, every action and every word back to your heart. It is either the culprit or it is the greatest thing in the world. And lastly, remain in God. And in that, he will remain with you and you can make it through any journey. And you'll always bear fruit because you can't bear fruit alone. Though you must work out your salvation by yourself. I'm Forrest Hall. This is the By Myself series, part two, working out on my own. Love you guys. Hope it was a blessing. Until next time. God bless.